Welcome to the Recruiting Stories Podcast, where we celebrate recruiting by exploring the stories of leaders and top performers by digging into their stories and understanding how recruiting has impacted their journey and their success. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruiting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Chapman. It is brought to you by Cover 3 Consulting. Guys, episode 13. This week, we've got Will Jenkins. It's an awesome episode. Will is a co-founder of Molo Solutions. He's also their vice president uh, of strategic partnerships, uh, and he's done a bunch of things for Molo. Before, actually, we did, I didn't know this uh, when we recorded, but obviously big news with Molo in the last uh, 24 hours here. Uh, they've been acquired by ArcBest. So absolute rocket ship of a transportation firm. They've done some amazing things on a run rate of over 600 million in revenue this year. Will has been a part of that, obviously, since the very beginning. A super talented guy, a really cool recruiting story. We're going to talk a little bit about you know, his recruiting story, what got him into sales, what got him into the transportation industry, um, and how he got started with Molo, which is a pretty awesome story. And then uh, you know, his thoughts on some other things like culture. They're pretty uh, well known for the amazing culture that they built in like under five years. Uh, and a lot of people want to be a part of that some things that stand out that some companies don't do well that are very simple uh, and some things they do very well that makes them stand out. Also talk about his experience as a person of color in leadership in freight, what we can do better as an industry uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Uh, And that's an awesome uh, conversation and soundbite there as well. Hope you guys enjoy it. So much takeaways. Will's the type of guy that I could talk to forever if we had time He's a former college athlete as well. Uh, We both played defensive back in football in college. He played for Illinois Wesleyan. Super cool uh, guy. Obviously gracious with his time and really thankful that we got to talk to him here. Hope you enjoy it. Um, If you've got questions uh, for me, feel free to reach out to me after the show. Feel free to connect with Will on LinkedIn if you want to get in contact with him as well. All right, everybody, welcome to the Recruiting Stories podcast. Uh, really excited this week. We've got our guest, Will Jenkins. Will, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me. Guys, uh, if you don't know Will, um, you're probably living under a, a rock. Will is a VP um, over at Molo Solutions, VP of Strategic Partnerships. Is that right? Yeah, so currently I am co-founder of the business. I manage a group of our customer-facing sales reps, so... My primary focus is developing talent on our team and looking at new opportunities or current opportunities and figuring out what we can do to grow our market share with them and, and continue to build our brand. So walk me through, if you don't mind, um, you know, obviously Will has built, uh, helped start and build Mola, which you guys are on like $600 million run rate this year or more. Is that yeah. right? Yep. So we do anywhere between 650 potentially up to $700 million this year in business. Congrats, man. That's in- incredible to watch your trajectory. It's uh, been fun to see you guys uh, grow. Thank has you. That, have you been in that similar role the whole time that you've been at Molo, or has that adjusted? Tell me about that. No. So I've done a lot of different things. We started the business in July of 2017, and at that point, it was a small team. So there were just three of us in a small office. These were just the co-founders, really, before we started hiring people. And at that point, you're doing everything. So customer-facing activity, quoting freight, building shipments in the TMS, scheduling freight, 
booking the carriers, doing accounting stuff, recruiting and whatnot. After we had a handful of reps on the team on both the carrier and the operation side, when it's just a small group, my main responsibilities were building out our training and onboarding program. So a lot of my career has been spent either coaching and developing reps or selling. That's where my skill set is best. So I spent the first two years building our training and development program and also helping on our carrier sales side, build out our track and trace team. So a lot of fundamental business things that you got to put in place before you can scale. But a heavy emphasis on training and development is something that you'll probably hear me talk a lot about as you ask different things here. But it's something that I enjoy. It's always been a lot of fun. And I've had, well, as you know, I played football in college. So I've always yeah. So I know we have that common connection. I've always had really good coaches and mentors. And when I look at my success, I think about who's been in my corner, who's had my back. And so I enjoy doing that with other people because I know if you build the right infrastructure to support, you can really, really help people, you know, launch their careers to where they want to be. So it's just something that's, that's always been fun for me. So tell me, well, I, I want to sidebar there a little bit because I, I'm passionate about that too. Like the idea of leadership, especially for both of us coming from a, a sports background, a football background, I've always looked at like leadership and building a team a lot like sports, right? So, you know, when I think of, okay, I've got to build out this team, you know, when I was a football coach, I knew I needed, you know, this type of talent to play running back, this type of talent to play left tackle. Uh, And there were certain things that seemed easier in my mind at that time, because that's kind of what I had grown up with. Have you been able to translate some of that uh, mentality or mindset to what you do now? And I guess, tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think there's a lot between a sport and business that translate well, especially in a sales role, because it is competitive. There is a lot of adversity. You have to, a lot of times do things that seem repetitive and you don't necessarily know where the end is. For example, for four years in college, I remember essentially doing the same practice plan with my college football coach, and it was unbelievably repetitive, but he ran a really good program. We went to the playoffs twice. We won a conference championship. But that repetition is what built the skills, and those skills helped us perform when it mattered. And sales, or really any role, a lot of times that preparation allows you to be successful when it matters. I might be on the phone with the shipper. It's the only opportunity I get. Maybe I'm working through a challenging problem, and I've been prepared for it, so I feel comfortable. But that preparation up to that point may have seemed repetitive because gosh, I keep doing the same thing, right? Maybe I'm role-playing and I'm saying the same pitch or doing my value prop stuff. But one thing I have worked on over the last couple of years to be cognizant of is, you know, even though I am an athlete, I try to find ways to relate what we do, not just to athletics, because sometimes you'll get really strong candidates that are like, I didn't play ball, right? Or, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And I think about anything that people can be successful at. A lot of times you didn't just walk into that good you walked into it new and eager and ready to learn and you had to pay your dues, you know, before you started to see that success. And and you can relate that to anything, but specifically as we're talking now, I I see so many parallels between whatever type of sporting background you may have had or, or athletics and things like that, because it just takes a lot of effort before you see the results. And it's specifically in our industry in transportation, it is a lot of effort that sometimes doesn't yield results for months on end. And I think that having that mindset and understanding how to structure it to allow people to build up and become successful has been helpful. And also, it's very much so a team. It's just a team atmosphere. Transportation is one of the most team-oriented industries I've ever been a part of. 
And just like building a successful football team, you need players, role players, practice players, you need stars, right? You've got players at every role. And that's the same as you're building a team here in transportation. You've got to have people that support each and every element of the business. And that's been fun to see because as our business has accelerated, we literally have better people in every category than we have had years in the past, you know, leaders that have come up through the ranks and, you know, pay their dues to get to where they are, but they're phenomenal and they all play their roles to make us the successful business that we are. Well, that's, that's uh, awesome. I think one of the things that you mentioned was kind of that communication, right? Like you've got to communicate to everybody who's, who fits where. And I can remember, you know, we're, Will and I both played, uh, you played defensive back, right? Yep. You know, one of the big crucial things when you're a defensive back, you got to make sure everybody knows the same call uh, because if everybody's not on the same page, uh, that can just cause chaos. And if you can do that, though, uh, the simplicity of that is I know exactly what my role is on this play, just like in business to say, okay, you know, uh, whether I'm uh, covering a load or I'm playing man-to-man coverage, you know, uh, now you create that clarity and everybody can play uh, more confidently because they know exactly what their role is. So I love that. And then you talked about the growth too, which I think is really cool. And one of the things I really enjoy on the recruiting side is watching different organizations as they go through different phases. And, um, you know, I always say like, there's a reason everybody wants to play for Alabama, right? Like Alabama's, uh, you know, uh, they're, you know, if you're not a college football fan, best perennial powerhouse, winning national championships every single year. Like they're the reason people want to play. Because then, you know, you can go to the NFL, make a lot of money, so on and so forth. Um, but there's always a team that's somewhere in the middle there that say, hey, I'm on the rise. And man, there's not much more fun than being on that team that's on the rise and knocking off in Alabama. And if you can pull on that talent and develop that talent, uh, that's, pretty special. that's pretty special. Totally. Yeah, I look at that a lot like our business when we first started it. I have – always felt very confident that we would have the opportunity to get to the size and scale that we are. And we still have a lot of work to do to truly be the name brand in the industry. You know, the number one player where we are, that, that is our goal. We want to continue to grow to get there. And in the beginning, you're a nobody. You're the team that nobody's heard of. You're the underdog. And you have to have that same level of confidence because you have to be thinking of the future and what that opportunity looks like and where you can grow and develop to. But it is not, actualized for years and it's been fun to look at our value proposition and our offering and what we're able to do in the market today versus what we did year one the conversations that we're having the people that are intrigued by our business both recruiting and also adding new partners that we work with so carrier partners and shippers that we work with it's a different conversation today and it's trending towards being a player that people say hey i would like to work with or for them because we're starting to build that brand recognition, but it's been four, four years and three months in the making. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to that, uh, you know, that process that you talked about, uh, we're doing this practice over and over and over and it's going to yield results at some point. Um, but it's, it, sometimes it feels arduous to get this. So, but I want to talk about your recruiting story because obviously it takes um, some incredible people to build what you've built at Molo. So for you personally, I want to hear your story. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about your background. I know obviously you're, you're talking a little bit about college football, so you're a college football player. I did a little research on you. I know you did some cut co early on. So tell yeah. me a little bit about some of your story and, uh, and what, what got you into transportation. 
Yeah. So I will tell you a little bit about how I got to where I am. I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Maywood, which is a suburb just on the west side of the city, right outside. And I went to Illinois Wesleyan to play football. Before my freshman year of football, I got a call from a company, Vector Marketing, which is a company that sells Cutco Kitchen Cutlery. And they're like, oh, someone's recommended you for a job. And I didn't have a job. I was 18 years old. I'm like, oh, sure. Like, I'll come in and listen to what you all have to say. So I went to the interview and I'd never done a sales role. I didn't know anything about the business. And I was like, man, this sounds like a cool opportunity. And essentially, for those of you that may not be familiar with Cutco, it's a direct sales role. A lot of times, most of the reps that work there are either in college or just graduated high school, maybe recent college grads, and they spend their summers selling Cutco and then they go back to school. And you know, if you make a fair amount of money, you typically come back for the subsequent summer. So I spent my first summer selling Cutco before I got down to Wesleyan and I ended up doing very well. And I'll be, I'm a pretty transparent person. It changed my life from a entrepreneurial perspective and also understanding what you can create. So essentially at 18, I was told, hey, cold call every single person you know and get them to accept a meeting to let you come over and demonstrate Cutco Kitchen Cutlery. And I went to a small private school, probably 400 students. And I, so you know everybody, right? I know every from freshman, you know everybody, it's a small school. And I'm calling people, I'm getting hung up on. And I'm like, I know you, like, you know who I am. I played football with your son for four years, or I sat next to XYZ, you know, in every class for four years. Like, you know who I am. And so that can be tough to deal with. That adversity is challenging. But from an early age, I learned that you just have to persist through the challenges because you will be able to yield the results if you stay consistent. And so I did very well selling Cutco. I sold probably $25,000 my first summer, and I was able to make a fair amount of money. And so I went back the next three summers and I became an assistant manager. So I've been managing and interviewing people since I was 18, 19 years old. And then I ran an office in Lincoln Park for them, my sophomore going into my junior year at Wesleyan. So I had 80 sales reps. I had three full-time assistant managers. I'm sorry, three full-time office managers that did reception duties and all this stuff. They helped schedule interviews. They were phenomenal. And we did about $110,000 in business that summer. And before I went to Wesleyan, before my freshman year, I wanted to be a doctor because my dad was a paramedic and my mom was always in hospital. So Wesleyan has a really strong pre-med program. And that's what I figured that I wanted to do. And I got you know into selling Cutco and I was like, gosh, I just, I, I really love presenting. I love building relationships. I love coaching and mentoring. Maybe entrepreneurship or sales is for me. So that's what I did all throughout college. My first job after Wesleyan was with Kimberly Clark Professional. They are the yeah. company that makes Kleenex. So that was a really cool role as your first job out of college. I was 22 years old working for this massive brand. They're probably a $17 billion company. So you think about all the resources that they have. I was unbelievably fortunate to have that role right away because I got great training. I had so many different people that were there. The infrastructure was built, right? You think about a company that big, they've got a person for everything. So that was really cool to have right away. I exited that business and I always tell this story a little bit because it's important. I think building and fostering strong relationships everywhere you go can make or break your opportunities. And so two of my best friends that I sold Cutco with actually worked at Coyote Logistics, which is where I got my start in freight. And so when I left Kimberly Clark, you know, I was talking to him, hey, 
how do y'all like what you're doing? It seems like you're having fun, et cetera, et cetera. And so they got me an interview at Coyote. They said, Hey, you should come check it out. They referred me. I went and I got into, so I started at Coyote in January of 2014. I was a carrier sales rep for my first two years. I didn't know anything about freight didn't know anything about transportation. I really didn't even know what logistics was, but I knew my friends were having fun and it seemed like a good opportunity. So I loved it. I am unbelievably competitive. I have no problem rolling my sleeves up and putting the work in because a lot of times I've learned that I'm not the most talented in really anything I've ever done, but I don't have a problem outworking people. Like if you tell me that I need to do this until I get good at it, I'm going to keep doing that. And it's the same in, it's same in academics. It's the same in athletics and it's the same in business. You have to keep coming to the drawing table every day and putting the work in and eventually you'll figure it out. So that was what it was for me in carrier sales. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I also liked that the more phone calls I was able to make, the more relationships I could make, the more money I could make, right? I'm selling freight. I could, you know, find a way to, to, to build those relationships. And so that was enjoyable. Um, I moved over to the customer facing side and the, let me, this would have been January, 2016. So it was my first customer facing role in freight. And I always knew I was probably going to end up there because most of my positions prior to working at Coyote was customer facing. So I felt very comfortable selling our services and, and being able to do that. And I had eight sales reps that worked for me. So it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I left there in January of 2017 to work for a company, Transport America, based out of Minnesota. So they had a brokerage here in Chicago. I was their director of business development, helping build out that team. And in April of 17, I left there because I had an opportunity to start Molo. So I have known the the rest of the individuals who started this business with for, for quite some time. You know, most people in the industry know Andrew Silver, our CEO. He and I worked together for quite some time at Coyote. And um, Stefan Mathis, who is is one of our sales reps, he and I worked together at Coyote too. And um, our president, currently Matt Vogrich, worked at IBM and, and was um, a friend of, of Andrew's that you know, I knew just through mutual connections. And so we talked about you know, what it would be like to, to start a new freight brokerage. You know, what did we want to do? What does it look like to, to build this opportunity? And I said, yeah, like, let's go for it. Let's figure it out. So that's how, how I got to, to and, and through transportation. I've always been in sales. I've always, you know, found ways to develop talent and, and do things like that. But that's my roundabout journey before we ended up here uh, at Molo today. I love it. I, I, there's a few, I mean, there's so many uh, nuggets in there. A couple of things that stood out. One, one, just your being drawn from something completely different into sales because of Cutco, right? Like uh, that, that random, what's maybe felt like a random moment, uh, saying, all right, I'll go check out this potential summer job turned into a passion that led into what is now obviously a highly successful career for you. And I love it too. I relate to it just simply because I, I, I had a similar moment at one point in life, you know, also from a competitive background where I realized like, I don't want to do the same job as someone else. And if I'm way better, get paid the same. Couldn't do um, it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. So, so when I realized sales was one of those roles that I was like, well, yeah, I can go prove that I'm better, like very clearly, it was a no-brainer for me. And then that changed my trajectory as well. And I think the, the cool part about that is you can, not only can you make more money, because that's a great thing, but also you can impact more people and connect with more people with the more success that you have. And so 
that quantifiable uh, ability in sales is uh, just, it's hard to, there's, there's nothing else like it in business in my mind, uh, which is what makes it so fun, uh, which makes it so, so neat. So that's amazing. And then the other side of that too is because of what you were doing, you networked and found people who helped you go and start Molo and begin to build something there as well. With that, was that something that you had always kind of like, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I had something in mind. Or was it, you know, um, you guys just kind of like, uh, you know, we're hanging out one night and we're like, hey, I've got an idea. Like, how did that come about? So I've always known that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I am fascinated by business of all kinds. I just love to see new things come to fruition because most of, well, really everything that we see today was an idea at some point and somebody decided to go to work on it and they persisted through the challenges until it was fruitful. And so that has always been what I wanted to do. And the main reason is I look at the work that you can put in for someone. You have your own business, right? You, you've got your recruiting business and you will do so much more individually for your business because that supports your family, right? That gives you the time to spend with the people that you care about the most. You have a lot more autonomy over that. And sure, a lot of times it's front loaded and I'll be the first person to say, there's a lot of stuff I've missed out on over the last four years, a lot of things that, but that's just a part of the game. That's what you sign up for if you want to build and scale a company that is going to grow to where we are. But that was always intriguing to me. I've always been excited about that. I didn't know it was going to be in freight. If you asked me five years ago, I probably, I probably would have said like, no way with a brokerage, but it made sense based on industry expertise and the right team. If you have the right people, you can build anything. And I would do, I would go to battle with the people that we have on our team and the individuals we started this business with any day because they are the right people. So that makes a massive difference. And, and there's a lot of things that these people could do outside of freight that would be effective, but something that you mentioned that makes me happy as I think about our business continuing to grow is how many people can you impact? What lives can you change? How much can you help those people grow and develop? Because I was fortunate enough to have, I love my parents more than any people in this world. They have always been there for me. They've had my back. They sacrificed a lot. And so most of what I do is to make them proud because I know how much they work to get me to where I am. And so, you know, my parents, my coaches, good professors, people that have been there for me for no reason except for they saw something in me and they're like, man, I want to be there to support you. I want to be that person for as many people as possible because it might be one connection that you make or one conversation that you have and that gives somebody the spark to go out and figure it out. And before you know it, they have a career that they love and they're building a life that they've always wanted because you gave them just a little bit extra confidence that they needed to go do their thing. So that's something that about that's something about entrepreneurship that I like because I think you can truly change people's lives. I, lo I love hearing that. And I, I, that to me, it speaks to, uh, I had listened to another podcast that you had been on and you spoke to that relationship of somebody believing in you, uh, whether that be a coach or a, you know, a teacher or a parent or whatever. And I can't, I, from a recruiting standpoint, selfishly, like I can't, I feel like that can't be like under uh, appreciated or can't feel, should be appreciated more, right? Because I can think back to my own journey and because I had a coach that at one point in time say like, Hey, I believe in you. Uh, you know, you should try this position or, Hey, I believe in you. You know, I think that you should speak out more because people listen to you. Or, you know, a parent said, hey, you need to get back on the saddle one more time. All of those things 
in those moments, I can, I can remember those. Like those are etched in my memory and those help to contribute to my success. And it sounds like that's been a very similar uh, journey for you is behind your success is so many people who have said, Hey, I've, I've got your back and, and I believe in you. And they supported you in that, in that growth. It's kind of what I Absolutely. That's why I think it's important to recognize the support and find ways to give those things back because I remember conversations I had with the first manager I ever had selling Cutco. I'll tell a quick story. They typically have a challenge period during your first, it's different times of the summer, but in your first 10 days when you're selling Cutco, I don't know if they still do it, you can win a bunch of incentives. So you win you know, trips or a special set of knives that you can demonstrate that'll help you close more sales if you sell a certain amount during your first 10 days. So when I was selling Cutco, the number was $10,000 in your first 10 days and you'd win a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, well, that sounds cool. I'd love to be able to do that, right? I'll get all these knives and I'll get a trip and all this stuff. Like, let's, you know, get after it. And so I think I was at probably $7,600 going into my 10th day. So I had to sell 2,400 bucks plus, which is a pretty big day. And I will never forget sitting in my car, talking to my first manager. His name's Danny Lewis. I still talk to him to this day. He's an amazing person. And he just said, hey, write on a sticky note, put it on your steering wheel. Don't worry, just have fun. And that's all you need to do. And I remember writing that last order that night that put me over $10,000. And this was 13 years ago. I'll never forget that because it is okay to know that there are challenges and that it's going to be tough, but you have to enjoy the moment. You got to be able to work through that. And I still remember that sticky note and my 92 T-Bird just sitting there like, just don't worry about it, have fun. And, and people like that, I, I want to be able to impact people like that because that stuck with me my entire life. That's awesome. Well, let's talk more about people. And, and I want to talk quickly about um, culture, right? One of the things that I have heard from talking with you know, folks who, have, you know, who are, are at MOLO and just reading about MOLO is just it's an incredible culture. And you guys have developed that in a short period of time. Um, so I guess, what do you guys do um, that makes MOLO so different uh, from a culture standpoint? And then what, from your standpoint, uh, you know, being a, you know, an executive leader in the transportation industry, what are... What do a lot of 3PLs not do well, I guess? What, what are they missing from a culture standpoint? I think that something that's important specifically to what we do and, and how we've built our team is that it is extremely clear that our team is transparent and that we like to communicate clearly so that we can cut through some of the gray areas. So what is our business working on? Why are we taking this freight? Why, we, why are we trained this particular way? Why do we do this? Why are our values that? There are a lot of training and continuous education things that we do. And a lot of it is, think, you think about team camaraderie, and we can talk specifically pre and post COVID because there's a lot that you have to do to keep people together. But generally speaking, if people aren't bought in and they don't know why they're doing what they do, they won't do it, or at least they'll do it begrudgingly, right? It'll be tough to get them to buy in on that stuff. And so you have to be deliberate about your messaging and keeping it consistent because I spent, like I mentioned earlier, the first two years building our training and development program. You want that to be so tight that every person gets the same experience and they know why they're doing. That's the first place they start with the culture. What's it like in that room? How are they with their teammates? What people come in to talk to them? What are the stories that they hear? What type of team building activities do you do? Does it just end when they leave the training room? Like the answer is no, it's got to be consistent. And so when you can bring in people and they do the same exact thing that the people three months from them before did to get them up to speed, 
It's a consistent message. Now, from that point, it's important to have extremely consistent. So we're talking top level CEO, president, all the way down to mid-level management, all the way down to whatever reps are doing on a daily basis, right? That messaging has to be clear and consistent too. So manager to rep, a manager's got to be bought in in developing their people and giving them what they need to develop. So let's just use examples of COVID, right? It was one of the hardest. I've never had a harder time managing people in my entire life. It was so crazy because there's so many elements of what you're working through. And I was unbelievably impressed with our team and how they were able to adapt to what our reps needed on an individual basis to succeed. Our business went from, call it 200 people in March of 2020. We have 500 plus in the 500 plus people now, and we'll do $650 million plus in business. We did $276 million in 2020. That doesn't happen if you're not tied in and people aren't bought into what you're building, but that happens from manager to rep and exec to rep, right? It's got to be one-to-one connection where people are bought in. And that's how you perpetuate the culture. Because if you look around and you see, gosh, right? Look at what we're doing to execute for our customers. Look at how we take care of each other. Look at what we're doing to take care of our drivers. If that is consistent, you're able to deliver on that because it's self-managed, right? It doesn't need to be one person from the top top talking down. You want to have that leadership from the top, but you need to be able to build confidence in your people so that someone that's three months in sees something and maybe it's not how we do stuff, right? And they feel confident enough going, hey, that's not how we say it around here, right? You know, we want to make sure that we're taking care of each other or we're taking care of our drivers or man, that, you know, that email was a little, it was a little harsh, right? That that's not the brand that we're building here, but let's be honest, right? Your manager's not going to see all that stuff all the time. It's got to be self-managed, kind of like a locker room, right? You've got players that step up and do what they need to do to keep people in line. And one way to keep a culture like that is to keep the messaging consistent. And sometimes if you aren't doing that from the beginning, and that's the minute someone is interviewing with you, so when they take the job to when they're onboarded to when they're trained to when they hit their, you know, the seat and the role that they're doing, that messaging has got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a few things that you said that, that I just picked apart and I will use a, a clear mission, right? The communication um, and then trusting people to do their job and then the accountability behind that. Um, I mean, those, those kind of those pillars just, I mean, that, that's an incredible um, just to hear. And it seems simple, right? Um, but I think uh, in practice, a lot of times, a lot of things fall through the crack there. So I want to be cognizant of your, your time here. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions as we wrap up. Um, yeah. you know, being, uh, being a person of color in transportation, uh, you know, um, what can we do, you know, as an, or- and I guess a, an industry, right? Um, you know, to, to be better when it comes to diversity, um, inclusion, uh, creating more of an equitable industry. And then what's your experience been like there? I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are um, on that end. Yep. So I started internally our DE&I committee last June, which has gone very well. It is all employee-led. We have about 90 people that are a part of it. And we do a lot of different educational things internally just to help people understand the challenges that we all work through, some social injustice type things and it's been amazing to listen to our employees and have them talk about you know what they want to see and, and different things that they want to be able to do. We just did a really cool charity event this past weekend called the Mo Olympics, which was a field day style event that raised money for a local charity that I've worked with for quite some time. And that local charity does mentoring for at-risk youth in Chicago and Northwestern Indiana. But we want to give back 
as an organization to nonprofits and charities or community activities that we think align with the initiatives of our DEI committee. And as a younger black male in the industry, you know, there's not a lot of higher level management, director, exact level people that are people of color in freight and, and specifically in freight brokers. So, you know, I, I would say my experience has been positive because I have had the opportunity to grow and develop. But what is most important is how am I able to lift people up and create opportunities inside of our business or just be a beacon of positivity for people that might say, I didn't know that I could achieve that level of success or that I could do that. That's you know unbelievably important to me. I spend a lot of time mentoring and coaching. I give back to Wesleyan a fair amount. I was speaking to a group of students yesterday. I just I like to do stuff like that across the board because I think a lot of it has to do with visibility. Mm-hmm. If we're thinking grand, you know, what can transportation do to be better? You know, I think about some recruiting channels that we use, where we go to find talent. There are a lot of non-traditional avenues that you can find some of your strongest performers. They could be at community colleges. They could be at different schools that maybe your, your, your corporation doesn't go to today that might not typically be in the, I, I would say, in line with whatever colleges you might visit. But there's a lot of strong candidates across the board that end up being you know, really, really successful within your business. So I think it's important to find other avenues to be able to to de- develop and cultivate talent and then also create things inside of your business that allow people to look up and go, oh my gosh, there's other people that look like me, right? So if you're, you know, a young woman in sales and you want to progress and develop, it would be nice to see other successful women in sales in that business because it just gives you hope that that is something that you'd be able to do, right? If you're a person of color and you want to raise to, management or director level, it'd be nice to see that there are people that look like you doing the same thing. So I think a lot of it is finding and developing talent across the board, going to different places, and then giving people opportunities to, to build and scale from there. I think that's great. I love the idea of just creating visibility uh, for people who uh, look like you, right? Or look like um, you know, others, right? I think that's, that's really helpful. I, I would kind of took for granted my experience, I think, in sports, we go back to that, um, you know, being a college athlete, was just a naturally diverse place. And so, you know, we were thrown into a room and given a mission. And, I mean, you know, guys from, you know, California, Hawaii, you know, Chicago, you know, downtown yeah. places, rural places. And, uh, you know, we had to make it work. And uh, I think I, I can say I definitely took that for granted once you're getting out of getting into the business world, um, there's some really good to that that I think we can take and say, uh, yeah, the talent looks different, right? Um, we just have to go find it. And uh, sometimes you do have to kind of force it into the same room and say, hey, let's focus on the mission, uh, but let's, uh, let's work together. And I think that visibility helps to say, yeah, you can accomplish that. Here's other people who are doing it. Um, and if you need to learn from them, you know, absolutely. Good. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, I would like to ask a couple questions. One, um, you know, is when you look back to uh, to your journey, you know, if you had to give advice to your twenty year twenty year old self, um, you know, kind of getting started on life and career, what advice would you give yourself? So I would tell myself to go bigger sooner. I would say to push the boundaries earlier, try and fail. I am a very calculated person. I am used to being successful. 
And so sometimes that leads to overanalyzation of stuff because you don't want to fail. And there are times where I spent opportunities being comfortable because it was something that I was good at instead of going for the home run. And maybe I don't hit it, right? Maybe I completely whiff and it was a failure, but that's okay because that's a learning experience. I've, I've had those things occur over the course of my career, but I would encourage myself to push the boundaries sooner because I could have been at a different place significantly earlier. It's okay. Things happen as they happen. And I have no complaints or qualms with how things have gone, but I would challenge myself to go bigger sooner because when I think about the person that I was in January of 2017, which was, I was working at Coyote or then I, you know, I left and went to Transport America. I was the same person in July of 2017 when we started this business, but I thought differently about who I was in terms of what I was able to accomplish, the the decisions I was able to make, the confidence that I had in myself, because you don't really have a choice. There's four people sitting in a room and you got to figure out how to make it happen. You just figure it out. But that person was the same person before. I just hadn't jumped out to go out there and have to rely on that. So that's what I would tell myself for sure. I love that. Goes back to your sales conversation of like, uh, you know, you're you're constantly just building and, and trying things. But you know, um, once you get that confidence of some small wins, man, that momentum uh, will take you a long way. That's huge. Awesome. I love that. Um, and then last question, you know, is you know, for me, I know a lot of books have been helpful for me that uh, just gave me one thought, one idea. Uh, some of them, a lot of thoughts. And ideas. Is there any book? Uh, or two that you've read in your journey that's been like, man, this has been really crucial, really helpful that you would share? I will give you three books. I typically tell all of the new hires that I speak with in our business about these three books because they have fundamentally changed my life. They're very, very good. So my favorite book that I've ever read is called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It is fundamentally, it has fundamentally changed the way I think about achieving goals. And a lot of it has to do with writing them down and conditioning yourself to be comfortable with what it looks like to actually see something come to fruition. And essentially the premise of the book is that um, Napoleon Hill spent his time documenting what the most successful people did. And then he wrote the book based on that. And it's phenomenal. It took me three or four times reading the book to get through it. And once I got through it in 2016, my life changed. And so I always suggest that book. It is a lot. It takes a lot to dig into, but give yourself a couple of chances to dig through. The second book I typically mention is called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And essentially it talks about how you can build habits intentionally, good or bad, through a feedback loop that, and it's just how your brain works. And I'm fascinated with a handful of things, fascinated with people who are the best at what they do, And I'm fascinated with how your brain works because it's unbelievably complex. And so I listened to this book. I probably listen to it once a quarter now, but it's just, I always learn something new and it's a really cool way to find out how to build habits intentionally. And then the third book is called The Like Switch, L-I-K-E Switch. And it was written by a, it was written by an individual who was a spy for the United States. And he would go and essentially flip people, government, government officials, important people in different countries to give information to the U.S. And he talks about four fundamentals that are key in relationship building. And those fundamentals are intensity, duration, frequency, and intensity, duration, frequency, and proximity. And so he 
he, he talks about each of those throughout the course of the book. And it taught me a lot about how you build relationships with people on purpose and also how some relationships you built happen, but you didn't realize it until you're like, oh, I just sat next to that kid forever in school and like we're best friends. Well, that's proximity or duration, right? I spent a lot of time with this individual. So now we have a great relationship, but it's really, really good. I love those three books. That's awesome. I'll put those in the show notes, but uh, thank you, Girl Rich. Definitely one that I've read. I'll have to dig into those other two and, and check those out. Uh, yeah, they're solid. That's, uh, that's always always good to hear. It's good to hear about the wisdom there. So, Will Jenkins, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, tons of insight and information. I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you uh, stopping in as well. Adrian, I appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And thank you for having me on. But, All right, I'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Recruiting Stories podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on LinkedIn, Adrian Chapman, and Cover 3 Consulting is our company page. Also check out our website, www.cov3consulting.com. Again, thanks for joining us. And we just simply want to remind you that you can change the world by putting people in a position where they can do the most good. And you do that by recruiting. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.